2: it's time time for silver and black today to the ground game touchdown Las Vegas we're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers so hold on Raider Nation it's time to get, get it, on. it on here's your host Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton
1: all right, here we are, uh, and yes, we are. We're we're all a little stunned, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Silver and Black today, the post game edition. The Raiders lose to Kansas City again in Kansas City, thirty to twenty nine. Raiders had a chance at the end of the game; it comes up short as Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams inexplicably run in together, run into one another excuse me, it's late night, uh, on the last play, and the game ends there for the Raiders. Welcome back. Joining me tonight, as always, on the post-game show is Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. He is our voice of the fan, and, of course, my regular and all-time best co-host, even though he's making me angry today wearing a Yankee cap, uh, but he is from New York, so you got to let him slide. Mr. Momo, and he is a national reporter at Bleacher Report also a raiders columnist at sportsnot.com okay guys and murph as always we want to get the raw unfiltered murph voice of the fan segment the raiders <laughs> in this one the first half i mean they jet out to the 17 nothing lead and this looks good defense playing great in that first half offense looks okay and then, again, we see sort of the inability to put this whole thing together in four quarters. Tell us your thoughts on this game. How are you feeling right now?
2: Uh, half inebriated. I can't even spell it or it. <laughs> um, all the way pissed off, way frustrated. I mean, you know, Scott, I've been through enough counseling and therapy in my life to know <laughs> that we need to detach emotionally from things that are external. But, my gosh, this Raiders thing, what a brutal freaking game. The Raiders couldn't raider harder than they raided tonight. Like this was absolutely like, and I'm sure. And I, well, I'm not sure. I know for a fact like, we're gonna get into all the details around it, but like emotionally, like this is one of those moments where it's like you're gutted as a fan because going into this game, frankly, I didn't expect us to be in this game at all. I thought after the the, mm. uh, the Chiefs hung a 40 burger on the, on the Bucks in their crib, I thought for sure we were gonna get blown out tonight. So to start off, uh, 17 to uh, you know to nothing. And for yeah. the way that we started off, what the Raiders did was they gave us hope. Damn it, don't give us hope. Like, just go get your ass kicked or go dominate. But don't give us hope that there's a chance because we'll buy into it. I got I, I get tears.
1: Well, and 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 Mo, I'll tell you, uh, and Murph brings up a good point, which is uh, I I thought, and I predicted the game 31-24, if I recall. We were close in our predictions and with the Chiefs on top. So the Raiders did a little better than we thought from a scoring perspective. Uh, but we saw pretty much... The same stuff we've seen over the first five weeks now, right, which is inconsistency in all aspects of the game. One consistent has been Josh Jacobs when he's used. Again, he comes out. Looks like he got banged up towards the end of the game. We don't know the extent of his injury as we are uh, doing the show in the postgame period, but uh, Darren Waller. Six snaps out with a hamstring injury, not available for this game. The biggest game of the Raiders uh, season thus far could be the biggest game of the Raiders season all season if they're unable to turn it around. Your impressions, Mo, this team, this game, and everything you saw that transpired?
0: The general thing so far through the first five weeks of the season for the Raiders is inability to play a complete game. And I tweeted this at, at when the third quarter, when the unraveling started for the Raiders, mind you, they were up 17-0, and then they were trailing 24-20 uh, at one point, then 24-23. But just the defense, again, playing just a half football, we've seen this all year where the defense is good for one half, and it's just a sieve in the second, in the, in the other half, even the first second half. It reminded me of the Cardinals game, when the Raiders went a big 20-0 couldn't hold it. Of course, this is a more, there's a more high powered offense in the chiefs uh, squad, but they had a chance to still win that game. And I know a lot of people want to talk about the big decision that Josh McDaniels made that a big conversion. I'm sure we're going to get everyone's opinion here, but uh, a lot of people say that decided the game. I will say that as always, there's just so many factors that one call didn't decide the game. It was deciding factor, but there are a lot of things to talk about here as far as why the Raiders lost this one.
1: Yeah, and and Murph, let me ask you this, too, because I think Mo brings up a good point, and and everybody will go to certain aspects of the game and want to blame it, and they'll want to blame it on the defense – There's there's evidence there. (laughs) If we're investigating the scene of the crime, evidence on defense, evidence on offense. Yet again, offense was not consistent. There was all sorts of things. And we'll get into some of the details soon. There was coaching that was suspect again. And I'm not talking about the two point conversion. I know that'll be something people focus on in Raider Nation the next few days. But overall, Murph, I want you to check me on this, okay? But I I just get the sense over, it just, nothing feels right with this team. Like there's just something unsettled. It's with the players. It's with the coaches. It's an early season players only meeting. It's the the coaching decision tree. It's the, it's the kind of malaise that seems to, I think, be sapping this roster of some talent that should be performing
2: better than it is. Well, you know, and I think that's what, again like the, the the dichotomy of this raider thing is and like mo said like we're not able to put a full game together we saw earlier in the very beginning before the game even started we saw max crosby hyping up Derek carr on the sideline and i thought that was that was awesome that was great mm-hmm. to see like two leaders of this football team like firing each other up like one really having the other ones back especially after all the criticism and everything that's been lobbied out there. And so to see Derek come out, have the game that Derek did in the first half to see what the Raiders did in the first half and even parts in the second half as well. But like, but then just to have total collapses at the same time. And that's something that's confused me as a Raider fan for many, many years. And, and, and like, and, and again, I don't have the analyst brain. I got the fan brain, but like somebody like explain to me why that is like, why is it that we can have these, like, we can be riding so high and then collapse to the bottom pits of freaking play in the same game. And it, it, it just, it, I don't understand it, Scott. I don't understand it, Mo. Like, and and it's it's fascinating to me. And to where, because like well, I hear what you say, Scott. That like, the, the, there's that malaise, there's that laissez faire, there's those things about. But they don't always display that. No. But why is it when we get into, into into critical points in the game, those things show up? That's the part that just blows my mind because it seems like when the pressure's off, we ball. When the pressure's on. Maybe that's, the, and maybe that's the answer to the question. Maybe that's when we are, we find our weakest moments. Mo, your thoughts on what Murph just expressed?
0: I think he's dead on, and I alluded to him, and in my refer- initial response is it's like when you don't expect much from the Raiders, that's when they surprise you and they play good football because a lot of people, let me tell you, a lot of people expected a blowout here. And when the Raiders came out 17-0, people were like, okay, maybe, well, the Raiders can hang with the Chiefs and maybe they have a chance to win it. But as I tweeted this during the third quarter, as the Raiders started to – the lead started to slip, I said you could almost feel when the tide starts to turn for the Raiders. You could almost see it. And you could it's either a play, a, a penalty, or some sort of drive, a specific drive that happens. You could almost feel like, okay, the tide is starting to turn against the Raiders, and they're going to lose it somehow in the most painful way possible.
1: Yeah, and, and here's, here's the way I look at it, guys, uh, is that – I think you look at teams, you look at players, like, for example, Max Crosby in that first half, he, w- he was all over the place. And, and actually Chandler Jones, ladies and gentlemen, I said he would get a sack tonight. He did not, but he came close, I think, three or four times in the first half. He really played a great half. Then the second half, Mo used to used to tweet every game. Here come halftime adjustments, right? Mm-hmm. Halftime adjustments happen, and suddenly the Raiders' defense is shut down. They were having trouble in coverage. Trayvon uh, Murray had a tough game today, as did Nate Hobbs that defensive backfield. I won't even get into Jonathan Abram. I don't want to waste the time. So you look at this, and I think I think for me, and I'll just be bold and say it, and I don't want to discourage Raider fans because I still think there's opportunities. You're almost a third of the season in, and, and you're one and four, right? But that doesn't mean all hope is lost. It's very difficult, and there's still good things that could happen. But I will tell you this. Good teams and and great players who are going to win they win big games and they perform in those games. The Raiders perform in spots. To me, it just goes to show you that perhaps the Raiders have invested in players that are not the final answer. And this roster's a little bit further away than what we thought it was.
0: I'll let Mark take the floor on that one.
2: <laughs> <All> right, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but but here's the here's the scary thing, though, is that like so but I don't know if that's entirely the case, though, Scott, because okay. I would say that's this, fine. that like, because they do perform at times, because they do show up at times, we finally saw a no, <laughs> no, no card, Chandler. Chandler. Listen to me. <laughs> Chandler, yes, <laughs> no show up on the football field. We finally saw a freaking, I mean, not finally, but okay, I'm, I'm all over the place, guys. Sorry, I'm an emotional wreck tonight. That's okay. Uh we, we saw Max Crosby have an impact. We saw the, the secondary have an impact. We, we saw, And I know they had lapses. But to keep the way, like, you, you mentioned John Abram, but the way that Patrick Graham used John Abram in the first half, I thought was amazing. And the way that we put pressure yeah. on Patrick Mahomes, we made him uncomfortable. Where did that go in the second half? And so it's like, I look at, like, the Raiders in previous versions, I used to say this term all the time, the Raiders ran out of talent. Because I felt mm. like we could only play keep up so long with teams before we just didn't have the talent to keep up. I don't know if we don't have the talent to keep up though. Now, Scott, it seems okay. like we can make those plays. We just don't make them throughout the consistent or throughout the entirety of a, of a football game. If that makes any kind of sense.
1: No, it does make sense, and I, and I'm glad you 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 have that argument there because I'll ask Mo now. So if you if you assume Murph's making a good point there and it's right, let's say they have talent to take them past where they were last year, which was a barely an, an AFC wildcard team, right? That was the assumption because they doled out a ton of cash to bring in and supplement. Okay, so if we're there, Mo, then what could be the problem? Why are these players and this team not able to execute? Is it coaching? Is I mean, I know a lot of people are in the chat right now saying fire, 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 but we've heard and we've seen issues with Josh McDaniels already. Is this a coaching issue? Is there just a lack of connection between what the plan may be and these guys going out and executing it?
0: Being that I'm not in the sideline, of locker room, I really can't say if it's co- more coaching or play execution. But I yeah. Will but what say- do you what do
1: you think though? What do you? I mean, honestly, what does your gut tell you?
0: To me, it's execution because there was a stretch where Devonta Adams wasn't getting the football. Now, not, No, he had some big plays. Don't get me wrong. A couple of touchdowns and some long, and some long uh, receptions. But there was a stretch of time where he nor Renfro had a target or reception, I believe, uh, between the, the end of the second half and the third quarter. So to me, it's a matter of getting the ball to your playmakers. And I'm in New York, so I understand getting the ball to your playmakers playmakers, because I watch Brian D'Abel get the ball to Saquon Barkley. And basically (laughs) that's all the Giants have is Saquon Barkley. But you know what? They make sure he touches the ball often and frequently. And to me, there are stretches where the Raiders just don't get the ball to their best players, who is Devontae Adams. Now, again, he had some big plays. But to me, when your offense is stagnant, when it's stalling, that's when you you go to Devontae Adams because that's what you brought him in for. So that part to me is goes to the play calling, or is Derek Carr just not seeing the field completely, not seeing his best player? That's an issue. But to Mer's point, he is right. It's not like the Raiders don't have the talent to win these games because we see it for thirty minutes, we see it for thirty-five <laughs> minutes. It's the other twenty yes. to 50. It's, a, it's the other fifteen to twenty minutes that they have these lapses, and when you play against good teams. You have to play 60 minutes. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but when you play the Chiefs, when you play the Chargers, when you play playoff teams, you have to play full games. You can't play a good half and expect that half to take you throughout the 60 minutes. No, you have to play it throughout. Get the, As I say, get the ball to your playmakers and finish the game. But the Raiders haven't done that well this year.
1: Well, and, and again, they were literally, literally tonight hamstrung because their only active tight end with experience that is a difference maker Darren Waller had six offensive snaps Murph and 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 the concern that that I know Mo expressed and I did as well uh, once he kind of uh, educated me and got me on board when we were talking about the run-up to giving Waller all the money the Raiders did was that again your greatest ability is your availability Darren Waller Okay, over the last 10 games has been available for four and he's not been effective in those four. So that hurt the Raiders tonight, too, because when they were shutting down Adams or Renfro Hollins had some drops tonight, unfortunately, um, they they didn't have that other go to guy. That's why they paid him the big bucks. How much in your mind did it hurt not having Waller tonight?
2: Oh, I think that cost us the football game. I mean, aside from not having a turnover and not making a big, you know, game-changing play on defense, uh, you know, I, I thought that that was that's that was it. That was the ball game because we saw a lot of single coverage on Devontae Adams early, and while his stats didn't show up, Derek was going to Devontae a lot early on. He had those two massive pass interference calls. Um, that re- that really helped move the football for us. Mm-hmm. And so there was, I mean, his impact on Devontae Adams, like and I'm wearing the DADC shirt tonight because those guys, <laughs> I mean, they, they frankly, they balled out tonight. I mean, yes. you know, and, and for all intents and purposes. And so when they start to then focus on Devontae and take him away, and then the, the now we have to start looking at the run run game. Well, that's when Darren Waller, that's when he comes in because you, they, they start pressing up to the line of scrimmage. They start focusing on the run game. And that's when Darren gets loose, man, because you know he's he's going to get a free run at a, at a at a at a linebacker or whatever. You know what I mean? So like, oh yeah, I, I thought that was a huge thing. And 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 looks, I don't want to be critical. Of, look, I Darren Waller is an amazing human being, and I'm a I'm a huge fan of his, and I'm so entirely thankful that he's on this football team. But like you said, your best ability uh, abilities availability It's what cost Trayvon Mullen his job with this football team. Yes. And like for a guy that we just paid all that money to not have him on the field, like that kind of hurts feelings, Darren. Like I know you have a bad hammy and and. The, the hammy showed up when the hammy showed up but i also know you've been you know balling out at tight end you and doing all this stuff in the off season and all of a sudden the season starts and you're you're not there like come on man like that 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 kind of sucks again i want to take a shot at the guy and, and it's not meant as a veiled shot even but like yeah. let's, let's go man like let's get it healthy and let's get you back on the field because i think he's that big of a difference maker i mean obviously travis kelsey tonight with four freaking touchdowns um <laughs> that he's you know a, I used to say arguably, but it's after a night like tonight, it's hard to even say arguably he's the best tight end in football. But Darren's right there. But you can't show that, Darren, if you're not playing. Here's no, my I, thing
0: really quick, Scott, yeah, to, to Merce's point. I, I wonder if Darren Waller had at least been out there as a decoy because if he's at least out there as a decoy, I think the Chiefs would have to at least pay attention to him. It could have opened up the field for other players. I don't know how injured he is. I don't know how bad the him he is. So I don't want to judge him on that. But if he's at least on the field, you have to account for him, and I, and I think as Murph said, that that may have hurt the Raiders when Devontae Adams was being double covered downfield.
1: And I get it. Look, we don't know the extent of it, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not injured. I think when Darren Correct. Waller has been injured, he's been injured but it doesn't change the fact that he wasn't available in the biggest game of the year thus far. And it's certainly, I, I agree with Murph. I had a major, major impact on this game. All right. We're going to take a quick break for our podcast audience. When we come back, we're going to get some of the, some of the questions we'll talk a little about defense too. Cause that was another incredible mixed bag tonight, but we'll get to some of the questions, including one that our good friend Rossi down in Australia is making. Cause I want to address that as well. Cause I keep going back and forth with him in the chat. So we'll do that right after this. You're listening to silver and black today. An Odyssey original podcast. The post game show. Raiders lose thirty to twenty nine to the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll be back right after this. All right, Raider Nation, we are back. It is silver and black today. Mo Moten, Murph from Raiders Fan Radio are with you. We are talking about the Raiders moving to 1-4 and four on the season with a 30-29 to 29 loss in Kansas City. Yes, they had a chance at the end of the game, but my question that I want to open up, uh, brought up by my, our good friend Rossi down in Australia before I went to the break, was... His contention is, hey, look, you look at all these games, the Raiders have been in them towards the end of it within a few points here and there. I argue that that is true, but that they don't always tell the story because the Raiders uh, in many of these games went into funks Including on offense, like they did again tonight, where they couldn't get the ball to their best players, they didn't have their best players, and they were unable to convert again on third down. Although they got they got better towards the end of the game. Um, sometimes you can say that, and but when you watch the games, and guys, again, call me out if you think I'm wrong, and I'll start with you on this one, Merv. But I've you know, we watch all the Raider games, and I watch them three or four times. Okay, after the game is over, before Mo and I do our Tuesday show, usually. And I look at those games and it's not, I don't get the feeling uh, objectively that when I watch them again, that I say, man, that was so close. This team is not that far away. I agree with you. They have talent. I'm not saying they don't, they have the talent to win, but I don't necessarily look at the games the same and say, boy, man, they're so close. It's just, it's going to break any minute. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do sadly, but It does. It feels like it's a long ways away, but tonight was different. And and, hmm. and so that's okay. where I would push back is that I feel I felt like tonight was different. And I think but like jumping out to that to that 17 nothing uh, lead, although we went, what would we give up like 20? We got outscored 23 to three or whatever it was after that. But like but that's what like definitively like that's something we haven't done. Like in recent history, we haven't, I mean, I know we won the one COVID game at Arrowhead and drove the bus around the stadium and all that crap. But like, what's, what's Derek, like one of nine now uh, uh, at Arrowhead. And so like, I mean, historically it's not been great. So to go into Arrowhead, to go into arguably one of the, you know, the best teams in the NFL, uh, our, our arch rival, the best team in our division, and to go in and to play them as well as we did, like that's encouraging. And we were in that game up until the final second. So, I, I think that there's something to be had for that here. We're going to head into the bye week and I know it one in four sucks, but we've got the Texans, the Jags, the saints, and the Colts now on the schedule. I think there's entirely a world where the Raiders go on a four game run now and mm-hmm. we're five and four. And all of a sudden the narrative has changed. Like, because these are not good football teams that we're getting ready to go play. Um, neither were the Denver Broncos. So I thought I, here's what I thought going into this. I thought the Broncos sucked. And so that was a little <laughs> bit of a freaking like this whole Russ thing and all that is so overhyped and whatever. I thought, okay, we kind of got away with one there. We're gonna go into the Chiefs and we're gonna get a 40 burger laid on us and we're gonna lose by 30. But that's not what happened. We played them within a point in their crib. So here's what I think. We go on a big run now, Scott. And then again. Maybe that's enough to give the Raiders confidence. Maybe we've still got enough runway in the seventeen-game season to still earn maybe a wild card. I don't know. Maybe that's just the fandom talking to me, my silver and yeah. black heart. But like, I I think that that's a realistic view, though. Well, that's why we I have I, on, Murph.
1: That's why we have and, and hold on for a second, Mo, because uh-huh. I don't disagree. I mean, the Texans come now. Texas have Texans. Excuse me. The Texans have as many wins as the Raiders. Yes, they beat the Jaguars, but I'm just saying they they, they and they have a tie, so their record is technically. <laughs> Better than the Raiders, but I do think the Raiders win that number game. I really Andrew. do. <laughs> That's right, number one pick. No, no, Raider fans don't want that again. Mo, go ahead and so go with go with your point. Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll push back a little bit, it, Scott. And every they could have won every one of these games, even the Chargers game. They had it. They had the possession. They had the last possession. They could have. Well, I, I, I couldn't drive.
1: I could have won the lottery every week the last year, but, but I didn't.
0: But but Scott, your point is saying that the Raiders may be far away, and they're not.
1: I'm they're not, not saying they're far they, away. They, I'm they, saying they, they can't they, execute they, to win.
0: They they can. They just don't do it in critical moments. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the problem. Exactly. And then that's, and that's, they can. They had they had the pieces. They had yes. the offense. They have half of a defense for thirty minutes, <laughs> but they just—I'm going to sound like a broken record—but they just don't do it for a full game. In every one of these games, they had a chance to win. Even the Titans game they had a chance to tie it up. They didn't get the two point, but if they tie that game and go in overtime, the Titans had gone flat in the second half of that of that contest. But, the Raiders well, had a chance, and they did—they—they they blew it. And yes. my point, but really quick, my point is they have the pieces. Okay. they just don't have the continuity from start to finish that's my point
1: well and I'm more here's what I'm worried and I don't disagree with you mo I, I you know I kid and I, I chide Raider fans uh with my objectivity sometimes because they get so emotional as Murph knows but at the same time I, I don't I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying I guess for me in the objective point of view it's just incredibly disappointing that they're unable to finish that they're unable to put to f- four oh. quarters together and then you see yeah. At the end of the game, you know, this locker room I'm concerned about because Devontae Adams going off the field tonight basically shoves a camera person just doing their job out of the way, knocks him to the ground. If you've seen the video, you guys might not have seen it yet, but that's not good. I mean, this is look, he's a competitor. He's one of the best in the league. The guy is amazing. But when you start to see that kind of stuff, that's not how a team to me that's just a little bit away and they're losing tough games is frustrating. I get it. I totally get it. But I don't see a team that's pretty close doing things
2: like that but that's this Raider life. Like, that's what happens to us. Like, <laughs> like we, we have these amazing moments, and then, like, yeah, and then, uh, you know, Devontae and Renfro go all Lewis Murphy and Johnny Lee Higgins and run into each other on the final play. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. but that's what this Raider thing is. And, look, Devontae may have been a Raider fan, but he had not been a Raider. he had been a Packer, and he's not running into Jordy Nelson. But guess what? You know, when you're a Raider, that's the kind of stuff that happens, unfortunately. Here's what I think, though, that, is that, like, you know, I, I I'm gonna. And I don't even think like I know this. That I, I'm gonna trust this. This is a different version of the Raiders. I I mm. gotta trust it, and I've said that a million times. And I'm not talking about like, hey, we got Justin Tuck. Watch this. I'm talking <laughs> about like we've got genuine talent on this team that's in the prime of their careers. We've we've established the core of this team. We barely had a preseason. They were. Uh, Looks, and this was a basically a Chiefs home broadcast. Thanks, Joe Buck. <laughs> But, but but there was a few things that were, that were uh, you know, sprinkled in there that were realistic. And one of those things was that the Raiders didn't have a preseason. The NFL basically doesn't have a preseason at all. You're installing mm-hmm. a brand new offense. You're installing a brand new defense. You've got an entirely brand new from top to bottom. But you've got this core group of players now, and it's just going to take a little bit of time. And so while we all would have liked for the Raiders to have won these games early on, surprisingly, like, and, and I'm famous for early on in the season, especially on a one and four season saying, thank you, Raiders, for relieving me of the burden of expectation for the rest of the year. I'll just go back to enjoying my chicken wings on Sunday and not yeah. worrying about what the outcome of the game is. But I really do think that there's a freaking, again, there's a world where this team is five and four in a handful of, or in, in a month. And our conversation is completely different. Now, if we Mm. dump one to the Texans, if we dump one to the Jaguars, if something like that happens – then I'm then I'm out. Then I'm tapped out. Like not in, in a way that I'm not going. I'm gonna n- never stop being a fan. But again, I'm not gonna like worry about like oh we're gonna you know we're gonna be in the mix in some sort of sense or whatever. Nah, it's all right. I'm just gonna enjoy the game, and enjoy my family.
1: <laughs> so I, so so I'm gonna ask you, Mo. Then what? what for, and 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 Murph brought it up, which is relieving him of these lofty expectations, right? So to me. Even Mark Davis said, look, we made we were a playoff team last year. We need to make the playoffs this year and win, right? So now you're sitting at one and four. The, all, you hear all the statistics, and I know I'm usually the harbinger of death bringing the statistics to the show. I'm not gonna do it this time. It's not, it's a it's a far, it's a big uphill battle, right, Mo. But at the same time, to, to Murph's point, this team could very easily go on a four-win run, but fans are not gonna see it that way. They're blowing up the chat. There's fire everybody, tear down Allegiant, build it again. I mean, there, you know, it, it's going to be a tough week because it's a bye week too, which makes it terrible. Losing into a bye week for fans, I get it. It's miserable. Uh, but looking at expectations, Mo, what, what is a fair expectation of this team at, knowing how they've played, to your point, at one and four going the rest of the season?
0: There, I'm going to start off by saying, again, there are no moral victories. Zero. You either win win the game or you lose the game right? Mm -hmm. But I'm still not moving off my 10 and seven prediction for the points that Murph made. I'm going to read something to you just really quick. The Raiders schedule after the bye week, Texans, Saints, Jaguars, Colts, Broncos, Seahawks. Mm -hmm. When you look at those, when you listen to those teams, are there any teams that you think, man, the Raiders can't beat them? The Raiders have a better offense than all of those teams, including the great Geno Smith and his Seahawks the raiders have a better <laughs> offense than all of those teams. They should be able to outscore those teams. Now, if they can win four, 4 or 5 out of 6 of those games, they're back in the mix. Again, I'm not trying to pour sugar on a on a on a loss, but yeah. I'm coming out of the bye thinking the Raiders can still win 4 or 5 out of 6 of those games and go on a, on going run after the bye. I'm still not dumping the Raiders. I still say 10 and 7 is still a realistic expectation for this team.
1: Yeah, you've you've stayed with that prediction. Uh I think I had yeah, them winning 11. I don't see them winning 11, but I I could get on board. Yeah, I could I could get on board with 10. <laughs> And, and I don't know if 10 makes the playoffs or not. That's that's the key. We don't know with the way this AFCs is going. Some of the teams we thought we were going to be good. The Raiders aren't the only team that's disappointed. I mean, not only the Broncos, which I know Raider fans knew they were going to be terrible, but the rest of the world thought they were going to be good because they thought Russ was going to be cooking, and instead he's not. He's eating frozen popsicles in the back of the seat. Um, but when Scott, you really at, quick. yeah, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but... The AFC,
0: okay. the AFC West isn't the isn't as good as we thought it was. No, Chargers, not even close. The Chargers are kind of up and down. The Broncos are the disappointing. Chiefs aren't that the, good. Chiefs, oh, the Chiefs, oh, the Chiefs oh, are the crown oh, of what the
2: game. The Chargers were overrated in the offseason. <laughs> Stop <laughs> me if you've heard this one before. Right. Oh, yes.
0: The, the Dolphins are on the third string quarterback. The AFC South isn't good. The, the The best team at division are the Titans. They started off 0-2. and and they can't even score in the second half of games either. So yeah, the AFC yeah. isn't as strong as people thought it was. It's not like the Raiders can't climb back into this and get back in the playoff mix with the schedule that they have. But go ahead, Scott. Sorry to cut you off.
1: No, that's that's okay. I, I mean, that's sort of the direction I was going. Just talking about the AFC in general, too, Murph. I mean, not only is the AFC West disappointing, you know, people were coming into the season, this is the best division in football in the last 25 years, right? And it has not panned out that way. The Colts stink, right? I thought the Colts would be good they stink so you look at that schedule and you start to think of that game as a win and you look at some other teams. i i bet my own hard-earned money on the falcons and the under on three wins okay so it, it changes Ooh. throughout yeah it changes throughout the season and, and and what you think going in certainly doesn't come. So I think that all benefits the Raiders. And we're not just here, as Mo said. Mo said, and I'll say it more more succinctly. We're not here to just blow smoke up your ass about the Raiders and make you feel good because uh, they lost to the Chiefs. I think this is a a genuine perception. I mean, Mo, Mo, you as a reporter covering the whole league, Murph, you as a fan with your own show and everything like that, I think there's something there. It's it's the, the disappointment for me as an observer that made it hard for me to watch the game at points tonight. But I do believe what you're all saying is true, that this team, if they can put it together, but Murph, to your fellow members of Raider Nation, those citizens with the stamp passports who live and die by the silver and black who are going to have to suffer until a week from Sunday until they see their team again, what do you tell them now when they want to throw everybody overboard and hire a whole new crew again?
2: Yeah, that's 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 rash thinking and it, it look, and we're all in our emotions, we're all in our feelings and we can, you know, <laughs> and we can all, you know, have tears in our beers uh, mm-hmm. right now around the, around this game, but like, you know, was it it was the 76ers, right? That started the whole term trust the process. Mm-hmm. And while I it sounds very cliche, but, like, that whole idea that, like, you can take a new philosophy, you can take new personnel, you can take, and, and personnel being the front office and the coaching staff, and you can just immediately find success. Like, I think that's a little bit of an overreach. Can that happen? Sure. Are there players and organizations and things that find that and have those quick turnarounds? Absolutely. Is that the Raiders story right now? No, it's not. And so, and I think the more common story is you have to build into something. We're seeing Brian Dable and the New York Giants – Uh, having a pretty good season this year so far Uh, looking like a, a, like a viable playoff contender, especially after beating the Packers. Well, look at what they were last year. Look at what they were the year before. Like it took a little bit of time and that's the more common scenario in the NFL. So like let's not throw out dave Ziegler. let's not throw out josh we get like let's give these guys... they haven't even had a legit draft yet because they had they trade everything away to, for Devontae adams which is the right move to do like let's let them put some stuff together i think that they're gonna have the same runway frankly here's the thing i used to say this on our show all the time you can be all disgruntled all you want raider fan but at the end of the day mark davis is going to own the team john gruden is going to be the coach and Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback. <laughs> Well, yeah. aside from John Gruden firing off illicit emails, that answer would have been, or that story <laughs> would have been the same. So as of right now, Ziggler's going to be your GM, McDaniel's yeah. going to be your head coach, Mark Davis is going to own a team, and Derek Carr's going to be your quarterback. That's going to be the Raiders' story for the next, I don't know, five-plus years probably. So, or, or maybe not. I don't know. What quarterback could be questionable. But let, well, let's let it play out. Point being, though, is that like this is a thing that's going to build and have runway to it the answer may not be this year, and although we want the answer to be this year, we want to see the turn around like we saw the Bengals turn around last year. That's the less common scenario, so we mm-hmm. got to let this thing play out. It's going to be at a minimum. We're going to see this thing be a. a th- if we suck for three years, yeah, then we can start firing everybody. <laughs> I, I, I doubt that's what's going to happen.
1: Murph, uh, well said. Now, listen, before we let you go, my friend, again, if you haven't followed Murph already on Twitter, and also uh, checked out Raiders Fan Radio on YouTube, you're missing out. You got to go subscribe, hit the notifications bell. But also, again, we like to do it every time you're on. Tell them about the One Nation Foundation and the great work you guys are doing there.
2: Ah, thank you very much, Scott. So we appreciate that. And yeah, we uh, once we figured out we could make money with our show, we started our own nonprofit and decided we were going to give all that money away to Raiders-related charities. And uh, so this year we're going uh, to attend the Blitnikoff Foundation uh, annual dinner and look forward to, to handing them a big old fat check on behalf of Raider Nation. And so you can check out One Nation Foundation at onenationfoundation.net uh, and anything that you donate there or any of our merch that you buy. If you want to buy one of these DADC shirts, go to Raidersfanradio.com slash gear. Any of the money that we raise, we give it all away. And uh, and if you can't uh, uh, contribute monetarily, uh, we just invite you to give us a like, give us a thumbs up, give us a subscribe, uh, all that good stuff. And we appreciate your Raider Nation. We love you guys so very, very much. And I love both of you guys for, for giving us this platform for our dopey little show to, you know, <laughs> come on here. And talk about the Raiders. And can I just say one last thing? Yes, one please, please, thought. please. Uh, Raiders. We will never apologize. Raider Nation, we will never apologize for getting a call. Okay, We've been getting screwed oh, yeah. for 50 some odd years. Okay, The tuck rule, the immaculate deception, the index card, the Rob Lytle fumble, I could do Derek Carr sliding <laughs> in downs. I could go on and on. We're never going to apologize for getting a call. So when you put your full body weight on our quarterback and we get the call, meh, okay, we're good. Because one time yeah. that cost Super Bowl, Tony Saragusa. Rest in peace. Yeah. And and again, I I was some
1: some Raider fans were arguing with me. It was just a bad call. I'm not saying it was wasn't called correctly. I was just saying it was a bad call. And so you could you can say both things. And you just did. Right. You said, hey, I'm not going to apologize for it. (laughs) Nor should the Raiders. Uh, but it seemed to get the Chiefs fired up and the things seemed to change oh, after that, so that's a whole different baby story. baby Chiefs
2: fans, they were oh. just doing away, weren't they?
1: But, but before you, you know, you call your show Dopey. Your show is awesome, and folks, if you go uh-huh. listen to the show, you can call in and leave voicemail. They play voicemail. You can do chat. You can do super chat there with all the money going to the charity, and it's so much fun jumping in, uh, which I do from time to time, too, so we appreciate it. Murph, as always, my friend, have a great week, and we'll be watching the show, and we'll talk to you next in two weeks, actually, or uh, a week and a half, when uh, when the Raiders are playing the Texans.
2: Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Love you, Raider Nation. All appreciate right, you, there Murph.
1: You, there you go. There's Murph, and uh, we appreciate everything he does uh, for the show here. Uh, we're going to toss it to a quick break, Mo. When we come back, we'll finish out the show, go over some of the other things, including some of the stats, and talk about uh, a little bit more detail, and then we'll be back, uh, of course, on Thursday for our regular show and our Wednesday mailbag. We're now going to do on Friday uh, because of the buy. We're going to extend it because you're not going to have any football next weekend. So we want to give you some content going into the weekend. We're going to step aside for our podcast listeners. When we come back here on sport, or excuse me, silver and black today and Odyssey original sports podcast, we will run through the rest of the game and give you our thoughts as we head out after this Monday night football loss, the Raiders lose to the chiefs 3029. Don't go anywhere. All right. Welcome back. Silver and black today. Those of you joining us live. We appreciate it. You're listening to us on the podcast. Thank you. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, even our YouTube viewers, we know you're subscribing on the channel. Make sure you hit that notifications bell so you know when we're live, but also do us a big favor. This would be huge for us. Uh, it really helps us. We're, we're in third place. Yes, we are third in the nation amongst the Odyssey Sports original podcast in the NFL behind the Eagles and Cowboys podcast. And I know Raiders and fans do not want to lose to Eagles and Cowboys. So even if you listen or watch us on YouTube, 99.9% of the time, go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts on your mobile device. Do that for us. That'll help us out significantly. And we certainly appreciate that as well. Bringing back in my partner, uh, Mr. Momot, and he is a national uh, NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also sports, not he is the Raiders columnist and my good friend, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moton, M O E M O T O N, and I am at L V Gully. Mo, let's talk about the penalty because you know Murph said it at the end of the last segment as he was saying goodbye about, hey, never apologize. And I and I didn't assert that that Raider fans should apologize for it. I just thought it was a crappy call, just like I thought the call against uh, Tom Brady on Sunday was a crappy call. And so if it's a crappy call, if it's for the Raiders or against the Raiders. I'm going to say it's a crappy call, um, but but at the same time, that seemed to have an impact on that Arrowhead crowd, clearly, and it seemed to t- t- help change momentum along with the field goal at the end of the first half for the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not going to give credit to the penalty for the Chiefs coming back on the Raiders because part of that Raiders defense and penalties of their own, but I, what I will say is this about bad calls, right? And I said this on Twitter. Raiders fans shouldn't shed any tears for bad calls against the opposing team because we all know what Raiders fans had to sit through. Murph just rattled off a bunch of bad calls that the Raiders fans had to had to uh, bemoan <laughs> over the years. But what I will say is that referees are human. What they're prone to do is if they feel that they made a bad call, if they second-guess a bad call that they, that they made against another team in favor of the Raiders... Expect a makeup call later in the game. Yes, and I'm yes. not saying, and I'm not saying that happened in this game. I think it did, but when you have a bad call go against you, the pendulum is going to swing back the other way. So, to me, as a person watching the game as a as a writer, as a, as an objective writer, I want to see an fish offic- a good officiated game, and exactly. I would say this game wasn't officiated well. Nope. Because once you have a bad officiated game, you're gonna to start to see makeup calls. Oh, since we made a bad call here, we have to make up for it here. And I don't want to see that. And that's why people say, well, so what they made a bad call against the Chiefs and the Raiders benefited from it. I said, well pause for a minute because now you could probably gonna get a makeup call later in the game that could swing the the momentum here. And again, we saw a lot of Raider penalties late, a lot of it on their on their on their behalf, but some of it, you know, kind of ticky tack subjective you could call it you could not call it maybe max crosby could have could have uh drawn a penalty in the end zone there when travis kelsey scored one of his touchdowns maybe but i just want to see a good officiated game throughout on both sides because yes. i don't want to hear about makeup calls later in the game and i think i think we got that today
1: yeah and and, and I, that's what i want to i mean that was the first thing i wanted to touch on and i agree i mean i i think The NFL officiating overall, they have a problem. They've had it for several years, and they don't address it. Some of it's the competition committee. You heard Troy Aikman talk about it on the broadcast. I think some of it is that. They need to address, hey, what is a roughing the passer? Why not be able to review and say, you know what? This guy jumped on him. This guy did not jump on him. Whatever it is, you can see there what happened and have, have an opportunity to correct the call and see if there was truly intent there because it is a game of football with grown-ass men falling on one another, okay? Uh-huh. So you, you, even the quarterback, I think there's too much. Even Troy Aikman, who was an oft-injured quarterback towards the end of his career, who got really banged up, said they're doing too much to protect the quarterback. So that's one thing that has to be addressed. Let's let's hit some on other topics, too, uh, outside of officiating, which gets old for me. Um, but let's talk about Derek Carr's performance. Derek Carr statistically had another good performance. If you look at what he did, he did some great things in the game. He was 19 of 30, 241 yards, two touchdown passes, no interceptions. The fumble, of course, didn't exist because it was called a penalty roughing the passer. But when you look at his performance, I called it out on Twitter during the game. Is I continue to see him underthrow balls. Some people, oh, he's underthrown him his whole career. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to get into that argument. But I will tell you that I have thought throughout this season that that has been the case. Even on the touchdown to start the game, the 68 yarder to Devonte Adams, 58 yarder, excuse me, uh, it was underthrown, and we saw it towards the end of the game. He had some nice balls that were thrown. Uh, on target and and where they should be and others that aren't. Um is this just part of this all just not clicking yet?
0: I don't think it's all a part of it not clicking yet. As you I mean, if some people have pointed out on Twitter Derek Carr is throughout his career he's underthrown some mm. some passes. I mean going back to Henry Ruggs, hate to bring him up because his situation, but even with Henry Ruggs, and I understand he's a speedy wide receiver, but this isn't new for Derek Carr. Um he's known for underthrowing pla- passes and sometimes uh, there's a penalty call, and he, you know, you don't really talk about it because you get the yardage anyway. But this, to me, this isn't like Derek Carr didn't just start throw, underthrowing passes this year. I, I've seen this for years from him, and a lot of people have griped about it. But uh, to me, that wasn't a big part of this. What, what worries me about this team, and it's not Derek Carr after today's game, what worries me about this team is that and I hate to hijack the topic situation discussion, but
1: <laughs> Josh, McDaniels,
0: Josh McDaniels comes from the New England Patriots who are known for what? Paying attention to detail. Yes. What did the Raiders focus on during the offseason? Not committing penalties. What happened today? Mm. Raiders had 11 penalties for 99 yards. And we, what, what did we talk about with Murph before he left? Raiders not good situationally and, cru- and crucial moments. They seem to fold. This yes. is uncharacteristic. Of a Patriots-like culture. So my thing is, if you're getting Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, who come from New England, I know it's, the, it's not the Patriot win in Las Vegas, but if they're known for details and clean football, and you're not getting that in these games, to me, that is the focus of the issue. That's something they need to focus on during mm-hmm. the bye week if they want to start rattling off some wins, which they will need to do if they're going to make it into the playoff mix. But that has to be addressed definitely.
1: Well, and and you bring up a good point there which is and, and and maybe maybe it's it's incorrect to to call it coaching per se, but that's what I was trying to bring up earlier which is and and you said that patriot culture. Now, that is true. And and, and the problem is Josh McDaniels is not Bill Belichick, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's taking a culture from somewhere else, taking what he wants from it. We don't know how much of it is and how much of it isn't and instilling it or trying to install it with the Raiders. And clearly there's been misses and it's not resonating because to your point, the hallmarks of that Patriot offense, just focusing on the offense in new England was not a lot of penalties, not a lot of self-inflicted wounds, not a lot of turnovers, all the stuff that we were talking about during the off season, And they did well in the preseason on it. But now even with a couple of the questionable calls, cause I'll get, we'll get comments on YouTube that, Oh, this will call this call. Even with those questionable calls, Mo, there were a lot of unforced errors. That includes even Dylan Parham, the sack on on, on uh, Derek Carr, which he basically just swung the gate open and said, here, kill my quarterback. So you're seeing a lot of these unforced errors and I think mental errors that point to what Derek Carr said two weeks about and called out, not people by name, about people not focusing in practice and some guys not taking it seriously. Um, This continues to be an image. I don't think they get over the hump until that changes.
0: You're absolutely right. And, you know, I'm again, I'm in New York, so I watch a lot of Giants games. I cover the league, and so I've watched a lot of Cowboys games because they're on TV a lot. And I'm watching two teams. uh, As far as the Giants are concerned, the Giants have a fourth of the Raiders' offensive talent, but yet they play clean football. They don't turn the ball over. And guess what? They're 4-1. They win games. Uh, The Cowboys lose their starting quarterback in Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush is out there. He's undefeated as a starter. What do the Cowboys... How are the Cowboys playing football right now? Mm. Clean football, less penalties. They don't have too many self-inflicted wounds. Why is it that a new coach can come to the Giants, the Cowboys can go to a backup quarterback and play clean football, the Raiders have all of this talent, they get this head coach who's supposed to be detail-oriented, and they can't play clean football and to me it just comes down it comes down to execution i don't know the coaches can coach till their faces turn blue but the play it has to translate to the players on the football field
1: yeah and that that's where that's where i get concerned with what happened with adams walking off the field tonight because listen i don't think he'll be a problem i think he's a vet i think his personality doesn't lend to that we never heard any reports of that in green bay even though he had frustrations there. But but you certainly start to worry about a locker room. Now, I think the bye, even though they go into the bye with this loss and sit at one and four, um, I think the bye week's almost good. They can decompress. They get a few days probably away from the team with their family, their loved ones, wherever they're going to go. Uh, and it allows them to come back and say, all right, <laughs> this is it. You got to focus now. Now, you should have done that before the end of the season, but they are where they are. Okay, and and our good friend Kevin Wynn on YouTube brought up the point too. How long did it take to instill and grow that patriot culture, right, for Bill Belichick? And I think that's true. And Murph brought it up earlier as well, right, Mo? Which is it takes some time. And I know fans want it, and it's disappoint. There's no question it's disappointing to be one and four. I, don't, I mean, no one's questioning that you said no moral victories. At the same time, um, you have to give it now. If this team ends up two and fifteen. Okay, then then there's a little more panic setting in. I don't think they will, like you. I think they're going to go on a nice little run here. Uh, but certainly right now for fans, it's disappointing. Um, it's disappointing to see somebody like Darren Waller not play. Let's talk about a positive, though. Okay, you ready? I know you guys are out there all bitching and complaining, and that's your right, and I'm there with you, and we're there to give you therapy. But Josh Jacobs, I mean, Mo, what else you wanted this guy to do? Again, tonight um, he has a huge game for this team and just looked like a tank running out there 21 carries 154 yards, a touchdown. Um, I think 21 is on the low side again, you know, last week it was 28, right? Um, and so, so he, there was a stretch there where they didn't use him. but Josh Jacobs is is making this offense go. There's no question. It's not Derek Carr at this point and Devontae Adams, although they're both doing well, it is Josh Jacobs.
0: I think it's balance. Uh, it's a little bit of both. We saw the big place at Devontae Abbs downfield and Josh Jacobs running angry again. I tweeted out, uh, Josh Jacobs is running like a team, didn't pick up his fifth year option. Um, <laughs> there's some motivation there. He may not <laughs> be course. upset, he may not be upset about the Raiders not picking up his option. I think, uh, there was a you know discussion about him on the broadcast saying that not him saying, but him telling a reporter that and he wasn't upset, but it was extra motivation. And like I said on a, on another show, that the Raiders probably didn't just didn't want to pay him $8 million. I don't think it was meant any disrespect by it. Mm-hmm. But I, I just didn't, they didn't want to pay that value, that money, that dollar amount for him. But, yes, he is playing inspired football right now. And that's part of the reason why I think the Raiders can come out and go on a run after the bye is that over the last couple of weeks, they've just Josh McDaniels has discovered balance within his offense. They have a good mix of pass and run there. Now, if they can get Darren Waller on the field – you can see it in full blast. Now, hopefully he's healthy coming out of the bye. But to me, that's one of the positive points you can take away, even even though the Raiders go in with a loss, is that their offense is starting to click. It it just has to click. Again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. It just has to click for most of the game. Uh, four quarters. You can't do it for three quarters. You can't do it for a half against these playoff teams. You got to do it for a full game.
1: You do. And and, and I think that, that you know, that's key. Um, and I think, uh-oh. We got some noise going on in the background. Um, I, I think that that's that's key, and 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 it's hard for the I think folks to to understand that sometimes it does take time. And I get people have strong opinions, and I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. I think you have you have two opportunities. One is you can you can be down in the dumps and think this team is going nowhere, and they're gonna they're gonna lose 15 games, or you can say, hey, let's take it week by week and see where it goes. And I think that's sort of what you have to do if you're in Raider Nation. But Mo, looking at the stats too, that's the thing. You know, you look at stats. If let's say you've slept through this game, something happened and you missed it. You look at the Raiders right total net yards three seventy eight to the chiefs three sixty eight average gain on offense to your to your argument about this offense starting to get balanced and starting to get moving six point eight yards uh, a play compared to five point three for the chiefs. Uh, 155 yards rushing, obviously, 223 in passing. The penalties obviously killed them on that. Um, That offense is moving, but what it's not doing is being efficient, right? The Chiefs are efficient. The Chiefs had less yards all the way through except for passing, uh, but they make the most of them. Again, we saw the Raiders, they only got into the red zone twice. Uh, and they had to settle for field goals again as they were driving on the Chiefs' side of the field. So you had that negative four net again with some of those plays, not the really long field goal, but a couple of the other ones. It, 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 again, that offense, it, it moves and then it stops, right? And so that, that consistency with the offense and being able to cash in when you're moving the ball um, has to be something that's corrected once they get out of this bye.
0: Definitely, you had to have sustained drives on offense in both halves of the game. I believe the Rays only scored what was it, nine points in the second half. So again, just a you know heckling jive type heckling uh, Jekyll and high type of performance there. But I want I want to get to the two point conversion because we haven't really talked too much about that. Was that. next. Just wanna, there you go. Perfect. I just want to. I'll toss it back to you. And I I know what I said to you during the chat, and a lot of people took my tweet out of context. And before you start, I just want to say. I understood what Josh McDaniels is trying to do there. His defense yep. is struggling. So he's trying to, he's basically saying, I, I'm going to have to win this with my offense because my defense is crumbling against the Chiefs in the second half. I need to go in and take the lead. So if that two point conversion works out, again, that's an if, but if that two point conversion works out, then the Raiders can kind of just milk the clock on that last possession. But because they missed it, They had to drive and at least get in field goal range. I think he had confidence that his offense, even if it wasn't that situation that they could get in field goal range. But, of course, Devontae Adams unable to get that left toe down and, you know, couldn't move the ball. Then Hunter Renfro and Adams run into each other, and it all looks like a bad decision. But I understood Hmm. because I see that decision made all every week in in the NFL where teams are like, okay, my defense is struggling. I need to win this with my offense. So I understood the call. I would have done something different. I understood the call there.
1: <laughs> you mean you would have called a different play in that situation?
0: I would have just kicked the extra point.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. So yeah. so I, I didn't disagree with the two-point either for two reasons. One, which they mentioned on the broadcast, which statistics, right? Playing your odds. Let's go to Vegas, and let's say mm-hmm. if I tell you, hey, if you bet on red on the roulette wheel, just for sake of argument, you have a 30% chance of winning your money back plus, plus the winning – Or if you bet on Black, you have a 15% chance of winning the game overall. What would I do? I'll take the higher percentage, number one. Number two, to your point about the defense and worrying about it. Well, then you say, well, yeah, but if we get the two-point conversion, then we still have to stop them on defense. Yes, you do, but at least you have the lead. And if something crazy happens, you get a turnover. You're, you're, You're in a position already. You're not tied and going to overtime on the road. Not only that, but you're one and three, and you need something to fire up the team. And so I think that, all of that put together. And again, you, you make a great argument for kicking the extra point. There's great arguments I'm seeing on the YouTube chat and I saw on Twitter all night about why you kick it. And part of me would say, yeah, I agree with that. Kick it, get the tie and then get your offense another chance, maybe in overtime to get the ball back. Um but you're playing Kansas City. What they've done late in games is hard, too. And so you're on the road in a very hostile environment. So I understood it. It didn't make me angry. They still had a chance. All they had to do was get in the field goal range with the best field goal kicker, I think, in the NFL, and you win the game. So, so at, at the end of the day, I don't think the call hurt them at all.
0: Here's my thing, hindsight is always 2020. 20. So Correct. if the Raiders make Correct. that two point conversion brilliant. and they win this game 31 to 30, everyone's saying, What a brilliant call, right? Everyone's yeah. looking back, oh great call, Josh Daniels. He he redeemed himself all this. Oh, we we needed that two point conversion up. It, it was yeah, it was yeah. yeah, he's got he's got big balls and potential fortune, <laughs> and that's what I want to see in my head coach. Go for it. Aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Because we talked about this on Twitter. The Raiders have to keep their foot on the Chiefs' neck. That's been said over and over on Twitter. And then when he gets aggressive and he doesn't make it, people go, oh, he's a bum. He's an idiot for doing it. And like I said, I would have kicked the extra point. But I totally understand with the way your defense is playing. And I get you still have to make a stop. But as you said, even if they don't make the stop and you get the ball back and you, by the way, as you yeah. said, your offense is moving the ball 6.8 yards per play. So you're not even having issues moving the ball. So you don't get if they score and they up, they go up by six or they miss a two-point conversion you have a bigger lead, then You get the ball, you score, you're basically in the driver's seat. And I think that's the mentality Josh McDaniels had is that, look, we're not going to play for the tie. We're going to play to take the lead and get the win.
1: Yeah, and and I listen, I understand. I saw some people making the point on Twitter, and I think somebody just made it in the chat too, 427 left in the game. It wasn't like there was two minutes left. And Uh so I I understand that argument, and and it's hard for me to argue with it. I think that's a good point. Um, But again, as a coach – you know, we, we we can sit here all day and criticize, but we're not on the field. We don't do it for a living. And so uh, as fans, as observers, as journalists, we can we can say what we think. But at the end of the day, you do what you think is best for your team. Uh, and in this case, it didn't work out for the Raiders. And Josh Jacobs came up just short. I mean, he keeps that knee off the ground a little bit longer, and he might have got in. So it's an interesting point. But, Mo, we look at this Raiders team. We talked earlier about playoff chances and statistics and all that. That's sort of out the window. If you're sitting there and you're talking to, and I know you'll write up on Bleacher Report and up on Sports Not This Week about this uh, heading into the bye, but if you're a Raiders fan and and you're sticking by your 10-7 and 7 prediction, but if you're a fan and you're looking for the silver lining in what has been an incredibly disappointing 1-4 and four start – what is it, how do you sustain yourself as a Raider fan, get through this bye, and get excited for the next week?
0: Basically what I alluded to a few minutes ago is that your offense is is starting to come together. Um, clunky to start the season. Uh, you put up a lot of points on a pretty decent or pretty good Denver defense, I think. And then you, you go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. You start off 17-0. You kind of, ran, not kind of You ran out of gas in the third quarter, tried to pick it up in the fourth quarter, Couldn't get it done. But the offense to me has started to perform a lot better with the balance. You talked about Josh Jacobs getting him involved to me has turned the offense, has turned the tide with that offense, and they're starting to turn the corner. Now, again, you want Darren Waller back to get that offense in full tilt, and hopefully he's healthy enough to play coming out of the bye. But I think the silver lining is the offense is performing well enough that if your defense has some lapses, maybe not against playoff teams, you could still sustain a lead. Not against the Chiefs, a high-powered offense, but I read out the teams that they're going to play coming out of the bye. Uh, you get in the Texans, you get in the Jags, who have sputtered. I know the Seahawks are high scoring, but I'm not a total believer because their defense absolutely stinks. The Seahawks <laughs> and the Lions have the two worst defenses in the league. They don't, the Raiders don't play the Lions, but they get the Seahawks. The teams that they're playing, all the teams that I talked about when Murph was here, the Raiders have a better offense than all six of those teams before, they play, true. The Chargers, before they play the Chargers again. So yep. this is why I still believe that they can go on a run. Now, as Murph said, if they drop a game to the Texans, if they drop one to the Jags, if they, if they get blown out by the Denver Broncos and, and or the Colts, then I will pull back. But I still believe their schedule is set up for them to go on a run. But as I said, they have to get to the details. They have to cut down on the penalties. Whether you think the penalties are ticky-tack or not, There are some self-inflicted wounds in there that they have to fix if they're going to win some football games because, as I said, the good teams mostly play clean football.
1: Right, and I will say this too with with the focus and, and the players. Look, we've known, and you all know, if you're honest with yourself, the right side of the offensive line is not where it needs to be. It never has been, and Dave Ziegler owns that. He didn't address it. He chose to give Darren Waller the money. He gave Hunter rent for the money. He gave Derek Carr the money. I'm not arguing with some of those calls. I'm just saying, just like life, uh, Mo went out and got his new Yankee cap, which was a bad choice, but he did. Mm-hmm. So he makes trade-offs. So instead of going out and getting you know, an extra thing of gelato, he's buying a hat. So he made a trade-off. He made that choice.
0: No sushi. So so sorry, Lynn.
1: <laughs> no sushi. Uh, but, but my point is they made their choice. They spent their money where they spent it. They did not spend it on the offensive line. We're starting to see some of that come true. We saw Illuminar with two big penalties tonight or three. I can't remember if it was three or not. I, th- I know it was two for sure. So, so you're starting to see that stuff um, come up. Now, do they play well in spots? Yes. But when you're not true starters on the offensive line and, and, and are the offensive line that you need to maybe win a Super Bowl, that's what happens. You get kind of what you get. And so I think that's what the Raiders are seeing up there. Can they get better? Absolutely. Must they get better? You betcha. So we'll have to yeah. see if that if that happens. But um, the, it, go ahead. By
0: the way, the, to your point, the Raiders have had five different starting offensive line combinations in five games. They keep Incredible. switching. This, today they, they had Dylan Parham at left guard and they flipped Alex Barrs to right guard. You cannot tell me that before the season the plan was to have Alex Barrs as your starting guard. You cannot convince me of that. No matter what Joshua Daniels says, no matter what Dave Ziegler says, there's no way you can convince me that Alex Bars was the guy. They said, "Yeah, Alex Bars is going to be our starting guard and he's going to hold down the fort." There's no way. No way you can tell me that.
1: No, I I agree 100%. And so, but that that's what they got, right? They 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 spent their money, and that's where it's going to be. They need to get Darren Waller healthy and Darren Waller needs to contribute. They need to get that offensive line to continue to gel and maybe settle on some guys there. Um, Josh Jacobs doing his job. Derek Carr, for okay. the most part, doing his job. Can he do better? Yeah, he can do better, too. Yeah, they all can do better. That's the point when you're one and four. Everybody can do better. All right, Mo. Well, it's been a late night, um, and we certainly have gone through this. I hope some folks out there got yeah. some therapy, right?
0: Well, one other thing, one other positive. Yeah. We're starting to see Chandler Jones come alive. Yes. That's another silver lining for the defense. Chandler Jones is it. starting to I'm, make plays.
1: I'm taking credit. I called it. No, I said he would get a sack. I was wrong. But man, but you know what? But it's a great point though, Mo, because as invisible as he's been at times, and I know somebody's going to run a film video on YouTube telling me how great he does with this and that. The reality is he's paid $17 million to get at the quarterback. And if you're not doing that, I'm sorry. I don't care what else you're doing. It's not what you were brought to do. He did it tonight. He did it tonight. And what's encouraging about that to me, Mo, is it was a big game. You want, again, you want your big players to show up at the time when you need them most So he did that in the first half. Second half, not so much. Everybody struggled in the second half. But, uh, yeah, that was very encouraging. I agree with you 100%. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the show. Mo and I will be back on Thursday with a full edition, and then we'll have the mailbag edition on Friday, and we'll see what else pops up. But, Mo, uh, Raider Nation in in a tough position tonight. I know it's going to be a rough night for them and a rough morning as well. But uh, what's your parting words to our listeners and viewers out there who aren't feeling so great about one and four right now?
0: I understand it's hard now. Uh, we're, we're only five games into the season. Uh, no moral victories at all. Again, no moral victories. You either win or or you lose. But let's be honest. No one's getting fired during the bye. So save your breath on fire McDaniels, fire Graham, fire this guy. Fire, no one's getting fired. <laughs> uh, the Raiders are going to ride it out with the, with the coach staff that they have. Derek Carr is going to be the starting quarterback. And they're going to try to fix what they have because – as I as we discussed, they can do it. They just need to sustain it for a full game. Now, if they could do that, they'll turn the tide, and that that one and four will turn into a winning record. Now, if they have a schedule, I don't want to call it easy because there are no cupcake walks in the NFL. Right. But their schedule is set up to so, to the point where they can they can go on a run. They can go on a five, four or five game run. It's there for them. But they have to execute it on the field, and we'll see if they can do it. I think they have the tools. I think they have the players and the, and the personnel to do it. We'll see if I'm right. I'm still sticking to my 10 and 7 prediction. Take a deep breath. I know it's tough tonight, but take a deep breath. <laughs> think about it and come back after the bye, during the bye, and we'll go through it during the show, of course. Check in with us. You'll get your breath of fresh air. You There's will. still hope. There's still optimism.
1: You will. And now on Thursday, I'm wearing my Padres hat. <laughs> when they'll be up two and zero on the Dodgers, woo! All right, sorry. I, I know, know there's a lot of Dodger bad. fans watching. I've got a lot of fans in LA. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. It's tough. They own the <laughs> they own the Padres. Fourteen. They're fifteen and four against the Padres over the course of the year. But that's okay. Don't tell me the apps. Uh All right, Mo. I will talk to you on Thursday, my friend. All
0: right, appreciate it, Scott.
1: All right. Uh, Thank you guys all for being with us. Again, do us a favor. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit notifications. You got to hit both of them. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Uh, Also the podcast, please do us the greatest favor of subscribing and turning on auto download. For the Silver and Black today, wherever you get your podcast. Doesn't matter if you're on Apple, Android, your computer, and you listen to Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts there. If you're a Spotify listener, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to, subscribe to us. We would appreciate that, as always. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been the post-game edition Raiders, 30-29 to 29 losers to the Chiefs. I'm Scott Branson. We will talk to you all on Thursday. Take care, buddy.